BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the morning toast. Happy Wednesday. Hump day. I can't oh even God. say that you. I didn't even realize it was hump day. Thank you so much for reminding right? me that it's hump day. It, it's Wednesday. Happy hump day, everyone. Yeah. Make sure to hump someone you love. I will be spending the late afternoon humping my dog, Theo, who's right behind me positioned in his love sack. He has been loving the love sack recently. Do, 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 to Theodora. Do, 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 to Theodora. Okay. Do, 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 to Theodora. Angel Dora. Beautiful, precious Dora. <laughs> precious chairman Dora. The song like kind of doesn't work over Zoom. I was listening to it back yesterday and we were so off. Just want you guys to know like when we do it IRL, when we're back in the studio, like it hits so hard. It fucking slaps. Like you guys are in for a treat. It'll give you chills down your spine. How chilling it is. 100%. As you can see behind me, I am changing my sheets today. Very exciting day over here in my household. How about you? How you doing? That is a that's a big day. I'm doing good. You know, it was, um, yesterday was one of the, uh, more difficult days in quarantine for me. Um, because we were so busy. And then like when I wasn't busy, I was just looking forward to like watching TV mindlessly. And I was just so bored. Like I could not put one thing on the TV without rolling over onto my phone five minutes later and totally forgetting about what was on TV. I started the new season of 13 Reasons Why, and I want to finish it because it's the last season, and there's a lot of controversy. I've heard a lot of people talking about it, but I literally couldn't get through the first episode. It was just so mind-numbingly boring, and it's like fourth season again. Like, it's the same fucking thing. It's like, who died? Yeah, no, not for me. I actually did not have that issue yesterday because I finished the book for the Redheads, loved it, fabulous book. And then I binge watched some more of Real Housewives of Potomac and it's just so good. I finally have met and gotten to know Monique Samuels and I love, I stan and I'm, I ship her and Chris. Please don't tell me like anything I'm not saying that anything. might happen to that. Like I have no idea where the seasons go. I, I don't really know any spoilers. So like watching it all and having, that's my dream way to watch Housewives is to binge watch like episode after episode, which we don't get to do on this show. So I'm just truly having a ball. And it's like, I have so many opinions about things that happened. I guess it's like 2016, 2017 that probably nobody cares about now, but um, I'm just loving it. No, I'm so jealous of that, like, first-time experience you're having. Like, you're just, like, this virgin who doesn't even know what's happening. Monique was such a fabulous addition to the show. She is just so gorgeous, and her heart and her husband are so cute. Have you met Candace yet? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, I thought they came on at the same season, but maybe they didn't. Um, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on her as well. Okay, cool. I can't wait. I also like love that Monique like came on the show, moved to Potomac on the show, like bought a house on the show. It's the house that we saw. And I was like, I need to be looking at this house every day. It's like such a farm and vibe. And I hope that they do wind up moving into it. It's just like with housewives, I always get a pit because like, it's like all happens like before the fall, you know, and then there's a divorce and then everyone loses all their money. And like, I'm just really hoping that that's not what's going to happen for these women. No, also a trend on Housewives is that a lot of the women live above their means simply because they're on TV and want to like put forth this lifestyle. And then that just like offsets a spiral of financial troubles. Um, we've seen it what literally one too many times, but um, uh, you'll, you'll say, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. Anything, but it's, it's okay. good. I, I think I know like one spoiler about um, 
Karen Huger, but um, I don't know. I'm not okay. saying anything. everything else is new to me. So it is so fabulous. I am enjoying it so much. And I just like, I'm trying to carve out free time for myself so that I can watch it. But I'm strangely so busy. Like we're recording the redheads today. It's just, and whenever we record the redheads, it's literally like a 12 hour job. So um, I, I need to find some time for myself and the, the ladies of Potomac. You know, as married women, we'll never have that like, first dating someone like butterfly feeling but like sometimes every now and then you find a tv show that gives you that feeling where it's like you cannot wait to get home and watch tv like you will push off all other plans like you are just you get this excitement and like I had that with Desperate Housewives and I honestly haven't had it since and I'm so jealous and happy for you that you are having that butterfly moment yeah until like every every time I sit down to the tv like I know exactly what I'm gonna watch I know I'm gonna be having a fabulous time like I'm so excited to get to know the women even more spend more time with them like wine and dine also watching reality tv while being in quarantine is it's 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 so difficult it's rude like how much they go out and have fun and you're at home to the point where I want to go to the restaurant Oz and eat emu and kangaroo because I just want to go to a restaurant yeah, Oz is an interesting place. <laughs> that was, that is like the craziest thing that they have. Like, king, she was like, nobody wants the kangaroo sliders. No. But, you know, there is a Australian restaurant where I, back um, where I used to live. I think it's called Rudy's or Ruby's. Yeah, and it is I know it. So popular. Like, you okay. literally every Sunday there was a line around the block. I never ate there because I don't wait in line for food. I just, I would rather go to like the worst restaurant on the block if they're seating now. Like, I'll never wait for food. Oh, of course. But Ashley Darby should go down to that restaurant and see what they're doing. And the fact that her husband, like, won't budge on the emu. <laughs> I just, <laughs> He's I a proud Australian, Jackie. It's honestly, like, a really funny, interesting storyline, you know, like, yeah. about their Australian restaurant that's just a little too gamey. He's just, he's so weird, Michael. Like, he, he ruins and makes the show. Like, he's that polarizing. Yeah. So far? So far, I mean, season two, he's a little um, worse than season one, but so far, like season one, their marriage was really sweet, I thought. It was, it was, you know, not what you would expect, but I thought that they had a really good bedrock of um, marriage, and season two, I can see some of that starting to crumble, but I still think, like, I still think they're a good match, but I know some stuff's about to happen, and I just, like, just watch I know, I know. Um, we have a very busy long show because it's Wednesday, which means we're doing Dear Toasters. We also are going to recap the Vanderpump Rules reunion, which aired last night, and talk about a lot of the Vanderpump Rules drama. So it's going to be a very Pump Rules heavy episode. I also watched last week, and I never got a chance to discuss the Jeffrey Epstein documentary, and I have so many thoughts that I would love to share, and I would love to hear what everyone else thinks. Um, and then also we'll recap. Did you watch Rock Trap and Slide last night? I watched some of it. Um, and I'm halfway through the Jeffrey Epstein documentary. I just have like a lot on my plate right now. And unfortunately, um, things are taking about Mr. Epstein just got pushed to the side. Okay. Well, that's okay. I'll fill you in. Um, (laughs) so I think we should just jump right in because we have kind of like a busy day of stories. We have a busy day of stories. So without further ado, here are the fast five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. And thank you, Jackie. I would just like to take a minute. I have something really important to say. And it's important because I think I will, if I don't say it, I might fall ill with a case of RDH. Because I would be remiss. I would be devastated. I might even, like, not to be dramatic, I might be heartbroken if I don't let everyone know that today's episode is brought to you by Policy Genius. There's never a bad time to save money. But now more than ever, finding smart ways to put some cash back in your pocket can make a huge difference. One way to do that is to simply save on the things you already pay for, like home insurance. If you own a home, reshopping your home insurance rates with Policy Genius could save you a good chunk of change. And the best part is you barely need to lift a finger to do it. My favorite. First, head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius will compare your policy against options from top insurers to make sure you're getting the right home insurance coverage at the best possible price. If Policy Genius finds you a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll do all the work and get you switched. If you own a car too, Policy Genius will compare your home and auto policies around different insurers and even mix and match to find you savings. They've saved their customers an average of $1,127 per year just by doing that. So if you'd like to put a little cash back in your pocket right now, see how much you can save by reshopping your home insurance rates at policygenius.com. That's policygenius.com. Thank you, Policy Genius, for sponsoring today's episode. Let's dive right in. 
Love it. Okay, first story, the big story of the day. Um, Vanderpump Rules has fired Saucy Schroeder and Kristen Doty for racist actions. One week after Vanderpump, after former Vanderpump Rules cast member Faith Stowers revealed that the two of the show's original cast members, Stassi and Kristen, had reported to her, her to the police for a crime she'd had nothing to do with, a Bravo spokesperson confirmed to Variety that Schroeder and Doty won't return to the show. Additionally, new cast members, Max Boyens and Brett Caprioni, whose past racist tweets were uncovered after the most recent season premiered in January, also will not return. Yeah, to me, obviously, like, Brett and Max getting fired was just, like, so obvious. They, like, when we when I was watching last week, the first part of the reunion, and they were talking about their tweets, and everything was going on with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement, it just seemed so like wrong i can't explain it so to me them getting fired was like a no-brainer yeah um, they like weren't really mainstays they didn't really bring much to the show i don't think anyone was like championing them or their character development i don't think any focus groups were like we need to keep these two on the show <laughs> no the focus groups were mad silent when it came to max and brett totally but the big news is really stassi and kristen i think a lot of people, I don't know if people are surprised, expected this. I don't even know if I was shocked by this. Like, I feel like when I read it, I was surprised. But then in thinking back, I'm just kind of like, Bravo, how could Bravo not fire them? Like, to me, and we're so anti-cancel culture, like, to the end. But to me, this is more corporate culture. Like, this is what happens at a big company when employees reflect poorly on the organization. Hi, we did that. We got fired. Yeah. Right. I don't think we ever expected them to not fire us. No, that's that's what being in a corporate environment, that's what happens. To me, though, like, I can't get over how crazy this is, really just for Stassi. Like, Kristen has had one foot out the door. Like, she hasn't even worked at CERN in, like, five years. I think that if she mysteriously disappeared from the show, like, maybe not that many people would notice. But Stassi has a lot of fans, and she's, like, really was one of the people who kind of bled out for the show and really she's one of the originals i mean so did and, kristen kristen is as, yeah, just but, as much but, as an original yes, you're talking about kristen hasn't been relevant in a really long time yeah well i mean i kind of disagree because even though stassi is a big n- not even a big part of the show like i feel she's like she's a it, bigger star She's a bigger star for sure, but as it relates to the show, like, it could have been conceivable for these two to not be on the show next season regardless of all of this. So as much as, like, Bravo- Except for the wedding. Except for the wedding, but I have to be honest, watching Jackson Brittany's wedding was the low point of this season for me when thinking back on it because when I was watching the reunion and they're talking about Tom and the best man, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going there. I'm not going yeah. there again. And even the engagement, the four-episode lead-up to Stassi and Bo's engagement, like, yeah, I thought we wanted to see them all grow up, but now like watching these activities, it's just not interesting. And so yesterday before I watched the reunion, I was like, you know, this is like, they're just going to overhaul the show completely after this. Um, But then I was watching the reunion and even though the season was not good, and I think also they're responding to some of those criticisms from fans, like this season was not good, like there has to be change in the cast members. I was watching the reunion and I was like, there is something about this show that is inherently good and interesting and entertaining bravo has a lot of like work to do and i think that just firing these four people is is was a no-brainer for them yeah but i also don't know if it's gonna satiate those who critique bravo because bravo has a lot of kind of problematic castmates problematic shows like problematic moments like luann showing up in blackface and like it, it became like a joke and it like no one ever really spoke about it in a serious way. And I think that this was like a long awaited action from Bravo. People have been complaining for a long time about a lot of castmates from Bravo, not just Vanderpump Rules and not just diversity on Vanderpump Rules, but diversity in all the shows. Like Garcelle is now the first black real housewife of Beverly Hills. How is that possible? There's been 10 seasons. Like I think that a lot of people might say that this isn't enough. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, and they're being very public about the the firing, kind of like they just don't want to be associated with this. But it's important to remember that Stasi, this isn't a story that necessarily was hidden or got exposed. It was on a very public podcast. People spoke about it in 2017, and Bravo did nothing about it. Right. So now, I mean, I guess they can't not do nothing about it. But to me, like Faith had some other things to say about some of the other people on the show and, and some characters really the show doesn't exist without. Um, and Bravo didn't fire that person, you know? So like 
in when you put look at it all together, it's like this seems like the obvious choice that, of course. that they made. And they really didn't have to upheave the show because these four characters are really irrelevant to the way the storyline will move forward after this reunion. Yeah, but and you also know, they- as it relates to Stassi, because she really is the biggest star. She has so much going on. And this morning I was going to say, like, just because Stassi's fired from Vanderpump Rules doesn't necessarily mean that she's canceled. Like, she has a podcast. She has a book. She has a second book coming out. She has a show and a tour. Whether or not she's canceled will be her, will depend on what she does after this, you know? And whether her fans are understanding and accepting and forgiving and, and willing to give her some grace and some room to continue to grow. But this morning you sent me something that was kind of crazy that the podcast, her, where her podcast is hosted, radio.com got a statement that they like are no longer doing straight up with Stassi and the catalog has come down. Now I always assumed that Stassi owned her podcast and I still think that she might, maybe she's just not with that network anymore and she'll bring her podcast back elsewhere she could do it on soundcloud podcasts are free anybody can upload yeah. them. for like in the podcast industry everyone pretty much and i don't know what her setup was so i can't speak on it but if i'm assuming it's like anyone else's podcast deal no matter how big or small your show is you own your show you can move it around um but you need a network to host it to distribute it and to sell it you can have a podcast without all of that um but i do i'm curious like where the trademark uh I know, is like I, oh, I have to assume that she owns it I always assume that she did, but now thinking back, I feel like she's been with this network. I, I think they rebranded a few years ago, but I think she's been with this network like since the beginning. So I don't know if they, if she's just been maybe making a salary from them. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what's up in a year. Um, but I do think a, like a big part of making a quote unquote comeback from something like this is really all in how it's not always about what you do. It's about how you like try and recover. Um, and a huge part of that is like a sincere apology. And I really felt like their statements kind of fell flat and I'm sure they had to abide by a certain amount of like legal rule from Bravo. But now that they're out of the corporate America restrictions, like I will be curious to see how they both kind of come back from this because what they did was fucked up. And of course, people are entitled to make mistakes, but you're not entitled to forgiveness without a true like apology and show of remorse. And I didn't really get that from a, a written statement on Instagram. Yeah, I I feel that like obviously, you know, whenever they do come back, they will have to apologize. Um, but I, I did, I actually thought that some of their statements were genuine. I don't think that you write like a whole paragraph and it comes like from nowhere and you don't mean it. Stasi literally said, I am so sorry for my actions and I do not expect forgiveness. Like she knows that she fucked up. They both do. And I think they understand the gravity of the situation and that there's nothing that they can say right now that will make it better. Yeah. Who knows what will happen in a few months from now. Um, I assumed that Stasi would have her podcast and but now this morning, like that kind of just like shook things up for me um, in what I thought would happen from here on out. Yeah. Um, also, they were playing before the reunion. They were being very petty. They were playing like really old episodes with the whole like Jax, Tom, Kristen, Stassi scandal from like seasons one and two. And it was just like very ominous to watch, like especially with the reunion, but also just watching these old episodes. Like it was like borderline it was like creepy like you know because you just now knowing what we know it just it seems it seemed it felt really strange really knowing what we know and like in what way that like in the sense that they're fired oh interesting I even felt felt that way about the reunion watching yeah watching the reunion I felt that way too I would really like to hear from Faith oh she spoke she spoke out I have her her quote here um page six wrote it up. I think she spoke to them. She said that she feels vindicated after the firings. She said, quote, I feel so vindicated studios and production are able to see blatant racism and make these positive changes and help move the race forward, help with the fight forward. She added that uh, she had heard the news of the firing just before she heard the news of the firings. She had been praying for a family member, quote, I was in the middle of prayer and I felt a sense of, I know it sounds corny. I felt a sense of glory. I felt God's presence. And I'm seeing now that the news has been revealed. Maybe that is what it was. He gave me a sign of optimism meant to be hopeful and showing that all of this was worth it. I mean, 
I'm sure she would never because she didn't have, you know, many kind things to say about Lisa Vanderpump, but she deserves some sort of like, you know, retribution. Like she deserves to have been successful on this show. She was like set up to fail. Yeah. And maybe they'll bring her back next season. There's going to be, I think next season Vanderpump Rules is going to look a lot different than what we saw last night. Do you remember, um, when we recapped this season finale and I said that it really felt like a series finale in some ways. Yes. Well, I caught the tail end of the episode before the reunion started airing last night. And then also given what had happened, like it really felt that way. Like, I feel like the show is just, first of all, it's not very good anymore. It's deeply problematic. And I think it might benefit them like just to get rid of it. You don't think they could just revamp it? Like, um, like with a whole new next-gen cast, I think what people kind of expect to happen is that it will become, like, Tom, Tom. Tom, Tom and Tom will become almost like the Lisa Vanderpumps of the next generation. People will be working oh. in their restaurant. And then you can hire as many whichever servers you want. That actually sounds like a good concept. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Because, we'll like, say- there's... To, to end the show, I mean, I don't know that Bravo cares about the restaurants and stuff, but, like, there are, like, that is a whole, almost, like, this little industry. There's a lot of people's jobs. The show is successful. I think it's worth working with. That's what I, I thought maybe, if I hadn't watched last night's episode, I probably would have said, just end the show. Nobody enjoyed the season. Like, forget it. But watching the reunion, like, I realized there was something just enjoyable about it and redeemable if changes are made is how I feel. Yeah, I'm also really curious, like, what the fans think, because I was just, um, like, wanting to see what people were were saying and thinking um, about the firing, and it was a really, like, diverse um, group of opinions. Like, there are a lot of Stasi stands that are just angry. There are a lot of people who have, who have agreed with the firing and think that it's long overdue, but that it's not enough. There's, you know, other problematic castmates. Um, I'd be curious to hear what the toasters think. Honestly, it's just so crazy. Like we've been, we've, I've lived with this show for eight years and it's like, like, this is just at the end of the day, like, it's crazy that they actually got fired. It's crazy. Okay. Next story, switching gears a little bit. Coachella 2020 is reportedly canceled, another cancellation, after massive staff cuts to parent company. Uh, After rescheduling its April dates to October due to the coronavirus lockdown, the end has finally come for this year's Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival, Billboard Reports. This week, the parent company for Golden Voice AEG laid off 15% 15 of its staffers, furloughed more than 100 people, and issued pay cuts according to an internal memo acquired by Billboard. The memo also said it's clear that live events such as Coachella will not resume until 2021. Quote, when we are able to reopen, it will take time until we see our fans, partners, and sponsors fully return. Well, I think the first thing I want to say is I think it's terrible that people lost their jobs because that's just terrible. And this is just like a terrible, terrible time for, for the job industry. Like, it's just terrible. But I'm like low-key so glad Coachella's canceled because I don't want to go. And like part of our job is just to be like on the ground at cool shit. And we've now went two years in a row. And like it had its moments, but like for the most part, like I fucking hate Coachella. Like I'm just too fat to be there. So I'm just like, this weight has been lifted. Well, not literal weight, but like this emotional burden of like thinking I have to go to Coachella in October has been lifted. Okay. But what about stagecoach? I'm assuming this means stagecoach too. So that is, that is devastating, but it's, it's collateral in my journey to not have to go to Coachella. Like I'm devastated, but now I don't have to go to Palm Springs, not once, but twice. Yeah, you would rather like not go to stagecoach than have to go to Coachella in order to go to stagecoach. But there are some people whose like entire like fiscal year revolves around Coachella, and I'm sure that they are devastated. And I'm so- and I'm sorry for you. Like I'm sure this news is hitting everyone differently. Yeah, I don't know. It's so crazy because I feel like I used to think about Coachella, and I was I would be like, well, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like when will it ever? stop not that it should stop but like you know they say all good things must come to an end so i'm a like bubble bursts right i'm like how it's just gonna keep going forever like this but nothing is forever and now i see like how and how it how all good things come to an end yeah i just feel like there are a lot of brands that rely on festival season like 
to exist. You know, like they're centered around like Revolve. Like there are a lot of no. brands. Well, Revolve is bigger, but there are a lot of brands that like are. I am sure that a lot of their revenue is like incumbent upon festival season and like the whole festival vibe. I just think this is going to, you know, hurt a lot of different industries besides just this particular event. Yes, I would agree with that. But I think brands, you know, you, they spend a lot of money on Coachella and then they make money, but they just won't be spending that money and maybe they'll be saving. Maybe. I just think that this is, so crazy because when they announced like in March that Coachella was being moved to October, it felt so far away. We're mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll be in the clear by then. And then slowly people were like, I don't know if October is going to work. I don't know. October is like kind of close. And now it's like October is around the corner and it's m- most definitely getting canceled. And it's just, I just honestly, I can't believe how long this entire um, thing has gone on when, when we thought maybe, you know, it was going to be like a month, but now it's like, it's going to probably like start to finish, like probably be a year. But would it have been canceled? Like, is it, if they didn't have these pay cuts and layoffs and furloughs, would it have been canceled due to coronavirus, like restrictions and gatherings in October? I don't know. That's an interesting call. I just think that no live events are going to happen in 2020 concerts whatever other live events there are but you know what I mean like I just I don't yeah. think it's well, gonna Broadway happen. I think Broadway plans to come back in the fall oh I think interesting that's what I had read um Carnival Cruise is saying they're coming back sports are working on coming back I was watching Zach records the show PTI and it came on like when one of my programs finished it was just like on in the background it was quite interesting hmm. um and they said that I guess the MLB is like having some issues. The players, like they're going to have less games, but the players want to be paid the same and they just like can't reach an agreement. Um, but sports should be coming back at some point. Well, I never thought I'd miss the day where like Ben was watching four hours of sports a night, but now he's just like up my ass. Like when I'm watching Better Pump Rolls being like, well, who's that? And then who's the one that got fired? I'm like, just shut the fuck up. I'm trying to like write notes. Like I'm trying to listen. I'm doing my homework. He's just like so chatty. Yeah. Yeah, bring back the sports. Okay, next story. Caitlyn Jenner is celebrating the five-year anniversary of her transition. She says, quote, I have no regrets. We first met Caitlyn Jenner five years ago this month. Call me Caitlyn, she declared on the cover of Vanity Fair. Then she sat down with Diane Sawyer and later appeared on her own reality show, I Am Kate. Um... She talks about the process of transitioning, but she felt truly seen when she held her driver's license photo in July of 2015. It was so emotional. Jenner tells people she did a People magazine exclusive with some glamour shots. Um, She looked at her driver's license. There I was, Caitlin Marie Jenner. But then I wondered, did Bruce deserve to be thrown away like this? He did a lot of good things. He raised 10 kids, but I wasn't running. I wasn't turning around. Bruce did just about everything he could do. He raised 10 kids. Now what does Caitlin do? When I look back on the last, you know, 10 years of pop culture, I think that Caitlyn Jenner's interview with Diane Sawyer was maybe one of the most revolutionary um, and like groundbreaking interviews of our time. I feel like, you know, I know that the transgender community doesn't like live for Caitlyn, but she was a lot of people's like first experience and first, you know, like knowledge of the transgender community. And she really made it a global conversation and I'll just I'll never forget that interview like it was just never. so there were so many rumors and like nobody was like treating it like a serious story and then she sat down with Diane Sawyer and like it was a real thing and you really got to understand her whole life like over over 60 years of like knowing that she was like in the wrong body and it's just it honestly it's still one of those things that I just I remember where I was when I saw it Me too. I remember where I was when I saw it. I think it was one of the things that had the biggest impact on pop culture, at least in my lifetime. And it was also one of the things that had like the biggest impact on how I saw the world. Like the way that she spoke about transgender, like I had never experienced or even met someone who was transgender. And to be honest, like that was the first moment. And I know that uh, they didn't really like love that she became kind of like the... um, the spokesperson for the movement, but in a lot of ways, like she was a lot of people's first, you know, um, moment where they understood what it was like. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 
it was and I, I do think it it's interesting major. though that Caitlin said in that interview she has no regrets because like maybe she would regret like dragging Chris Jenner oh yeah and all of the drama it's like there they, was a lot of it do they talk where I don't know where we ever think, like ended on that I think like every day is different sometimes but I do I do recall seeing photos of them you know at Nobu Malibu when they're there for someone's birthday and it seems like everyone is able to get along I think that Chris is doing very well in her life. I think if there was any fallout from anything that Caitlin said about Chris, that it has been mended, you know. I feel like the Kardashians actually do a really good job of moving on from, like, really big things. Yeah, and time, it's been, t- it, enough time has passed. Where I, I remember those episodes where, like, Chris was all distraught. They were going to the ESPYs. Like, it was so fresh back then, but they've all moved on in so many ways. They all have, like, so many more grandchildren. Like, I do think, and I don't know them personally, but I do think that they have moved moved past that drama. And that was also, like, pre-Corey. But now, like, Chris right. is in this, like, ne- she's entered this next phase of her life where she is just, like, she is the definition of, like, the golden years. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I'm like looking forward to being Kris Jenner. Like that's what I'm yeah. going to be and no one is going to stop me. That's like that conversation they were having on the plane. Um, when it was oh my like God, Chloe, that conversation. Kim and Chris. And Chloe was like, I'm going to be Kris Jenner. Like my face will be pulled. Like um, it was really cute. I just, in order to be like my full Kris Jenner self, like I need to be as rich as her. So we got to keep doing the show. Yep. Okay. Uh, next story. Bachelorette alum Rachel Lindsay, uh, hold on, I'm getting an ad for a subscription that I just don't want to participate in. Bachelorette alum Rachel Lindsay demands franchise address systematic racism. Lindsay, the first and only Black lead on the Bachelor franchise since its 2002 debut, shared an emotional blog post promising to, quote, disassociate from the show if action is not taken to diversify its mostly white casting. Rachel Lindsay on Tuesday shared an emotional blog post calling for the systematic racism within the Bachelor franchise to be addressed. She wrote, quote, recently I've received many questions regarding the headline stating that I will leave the Bachelor franchise if changes to, wow, I'm sorry, this website is just like all over the place. What's the website? Call it out. It's a Hollywood reporter. Like it's not even, oh my um, God, this is so not Hollywood. They were, it was, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's my iPad like jumping around. It's not, it's not. Sure. <laughs> This is so not Hollywood. Okay. Uh, Addressing headlines. Oh, my God. (laughs) Recently, I've received many questions regarding the headlines stating that I will leave the Bachelor franchise if changes to address the lack of diversity in lead roles are not established, she wrote. Yes, more diverse contestants do appear on the show now, but is the lead truly interested and open to dating outside of their race? I think that is evident by far how by how far their journey takes them during each season. It is, na- it is a naive expectation to believe that leads will authentically start an interracial relationship for the first time on national television. The sad reality is that people of color become placeholders as the token person of color to add some flavor to the second half of the season. Wow, I mean, that's, she didn't lie. No. I mean, as much as it pains me to like think of a world where Rachel Lindsay isn't in The Bachelor Nation, like, I don't know what anyone could do or say, like, for, for ABC and for Mike Fleiss, like, to listen, like, and I think that the platform Rachel Lindsay, we said this uh, yesterday, like, the platform Rachel Lindsay has been given is so important, and she's the only one, she's the only Black lead, like, she's the only one really diving in on these issues, and it's just, like, it's, it's honestly, like, so late, like, come on. Yeah, I would, at this point, especially, I mean, even when we reported on this yesterday, um, and again today, like, if they do not make a change for the upcoming season, like, I will truly be shocked. I will be shocked, too. Um, but you know what? It's also, like, it's on us to demand it of them. But then also when they if, – if and when they do cast someone who's, you know, uh, maybe a person of color or someone – an Asian person, like, anyone, it's on us to watch because they're, yes. they're ratings-driven. So it's important that, like, we obviously demand it from them. But then we also follow up with the ratings because whatever, whatever is successful is what they will do. Right. I completely agree. That's a fabulous point. I just, like, I don't want Rachel Lindsay to leave Bachelor Nation. Like, I think she's so important. But at the same time, like, she needs to make her point. And I I support her. I support her as well, completely. But she does the, um, the the bachelor podcast like she actually mm-hmm. is there she is she has her hand in everything like she does sports she she has another podcast like but she's pretty like re- involved in the bachelor stuff yeah so 
it'll be a huge loss for the entire Bachelor Nation if she decides to step away. I agree. They even had her on last season when they addressed some of the comments that the girls were getting and like the bullying within Bachelor Nation. She, it's like mm-hmm. she is. She's an just, amazing role model. Yeah, and I think, I think we'll see what ABC does. I don't know, like when they would announce anything like this, but I, I have faith that they'll do the right thing. No, I, I, I hope. Well, this is like where we're at the crossroads. Like, and when, when, when talking about. Bravo. It's like, are they just going to do one thing to like satiate people? Or are they going to really enact real change? So it's like Bravo firing Kristen and Stassi, like obviously it's a step in the right direction, but they still have a lot of problems at the network. And it's like, what is ABC going to do? Are they going to like put on a show and just pretend like they're listening to the people? Or are they actually going to listen to the people? Yeah. We'll see. I agree. Okay, well, fifth and final story is a little beverage news. Pineapple Pepsi is now available in the U.S. after gaining popularity in Japan. Pepsi is known for introducing exciting flavors, and the latest one sounds like the ultimate summer drink. Pepsi with a splash of pineapple juice was recently spotted at Walmart. A pineapple-flavored Pepsi was first released in Japan in 2019 to major success, although it's unclear whether it's the same recipe. Hell to the no, to the no, no, no. Hell to the no, hell to the no. No, no, absolutely not. This is, and you know, I've actually recently made the transition. We are no longer a Diet Coke household. I don't know if I've actually stated this on the show officially. You haven't, um, you haven't, you haven't stated uh, We have recently transitioned. We are no longer a Diet Coke home. We are a Diet Pepsi home. And to be honest, it's something that was like eating me up inside for like ever. And the person, really the only person I ever really told was Margo. And she kind of agreed with me. It's like, of course, like from a branding perspective, like Diet Coke is like chic and sleek, but it's like, yeah, a, it's like a vibe. From a taste level, from a taste level, like Diet Pepsi is so much better. Like it's sweeter. Like it's literally just better. And I feel like when I used to go to restaurants and they were like, oh, we don't have Coke. Is Diet Pepsi okay? I would be like, yeah. And secretly like really excited about it. Like, <laughs> and I just decided to like not be embarrassed of who I am and just lead with lead with my heart and so you know we have tons of like bottles and cans of soda in our house and we've recently changed over completely we are a diet pepsi home we are coke free house and it's it's been really fabulous i'm not gonna lie i'm not even like embarrassed anymore wow i'm so proud of you that you're coke free um i i I have been coke i'm three months off coke I happen to disagree with you because I, I truly love the taste of diet, but well, I, I do, I it. do, I do see you and I, and I love that you're leading with your heart and leading with honesty and like stopping to pretending to being someone that you're not. Yeah. I feel like I spent a, like a huge time part of my life, like just trying to be like cool and like do what I thought everyone wanted me to do. And that stops today. Well, you know what? I'm just proud of you for standing up for what you believe. Thank you. It's Claudia. That's beautiful. What a perfect place to end. And dive into our TV recap segment. Or Dear Toasters, which next? TV recap. I love to end on Dear Toasters. It's such a high. Okay, let's start with Vanderpump Rules. I just have to share a really funny anecdote. I had, like, been watching for one minute when Olivia FaceTimed me to, like, tell me something. And then she had to go. She's like, all right, I got to go to pump. And I'm like, the Um, restaurant? Rules. And I realized that she was pumping her titties. Um, But I just thought that was, like, a funny moment to share. Yeah, that is funny. Okay, so I watched last night, and we should recap the first one too. I have notes from the first one, and then last night I didn't take notes, but um, I took notes last night, and I only had one note from the first part, which I honestly couldn't believe that Max and Kristen hooked up. Oh yeah, that was crazy. Crazy. Oh my note for that is I actually weirdly ship Max and Kristen. I think that they like kind of make sense as a couple. Um, my other note was that I don't get Max and Dana at all. She talks about him like she never stopped having feelings for him. But on the show, she made it seem like she was all in on Brett, like saying she wished that she met Brett before Max. But then like on the reunion, it was like Max was her, you know, she never stopped because having they had, feelings for. They had reconnected after filming her and Max. But like on the show, so then she lied on the show saying that she wished she met Brett before Max. Like maybe it, she really felt that way at the time, but like Max, like, like technically she was the one who broke up with Max, but then like Max like wouldn't take her back. Like Max was, Max was the one who like put the nail in the coffin. Um, and so I'm sure she like really did want to move on with Brett, but she just got like screwed. Like everyone was being mean to Dana. I don't know. I feel like she didn't, she either really had like strong feelings for both of them or, or was just like acting her way through it to like have a romantic storyline on the show 
No, I actually really believe like she wanted things to work out with Brett. With Brett? In the moment. Or Max. No, in the moment, she like when she said that she like had wished she had met Brett before Max, like I feel like she really meant that. I guess. I don't know. And then my other note was... I change my mind all the fucking time. Like, I just, like, none of it, like, reads as genuine to me. Um, My other note was that Charlie, when Charlie was fighting with everyone, um, I said that it felt like a bachelor reunion when people are, like, who are irrelevant are trying to audition for Paradise and, like, trying to, like, speak up and come for, like, the big dogs so that, like... And have, like, viral moments. So that they're, like, interesting enough for Paradise. Even though I do think that... That's a great comparison. Yeah, I think that there's something spunky and funny about Charlie, and I'm not not here for her in general. But it's just like her coming for like old man Jacks. I'm just like, how do you guys even know each other? Yeah, no, they don't. And that was the point. But like, that was definitely her trying to have like an Instagrammable moment. Like, and now she's gonna make T-shirts like old man retire. Yeah, that's like such a bachelor sent home night one thing to do. Um, okay, so I want to run through the uh, storylines from last night because I actually found a lot of them to be very interesting. And the first one I wanted to talk about um, was when they were talking about Sheena and Dana. And Sheena, like, the whole season was, like, really mean to Dana, especially in the beginning when she just started. But I feel like maybe I'm just becoming, like, a Sheena apologist, but I feel like she gave an actual really good explanation. She said, I'm so tired of, like, being the one person who's nice to all the new girls. And she didn't say it outright, but it's like, Honestly, and she said that, like, Dana reminded her of, like, Lala and Stassi, and it's, like, she was really one of the only ones who was so nice just to Lala, and then, like, Lala, like, totally surpassed her and, like, became friends with all the OGs, and, like, she's now considered, like, a cool girl. Maybe she just didn't want to have that happen again, and I kind of understood it. I understood that until someone was, like, yeah, but you were so nice to Charlie and, like, were up her butt obsessed with her, so it was just you taking your own shit out on Dana, who, even though she might remind you of someone else, like, she's her own person and you were mean to her, and that's on you. Yeah, I just got the vibe that, like, Dana reminded Sheena of Lala a lot, and she didn't want to, like, remember when La- when Sheena was crying at that birthday party, like, two seasons ago because all the girls were becoming friends with Lala? And she was right. Yeah, no, I think it's it's not that Dana reminds her of Lala. It's, like, she saw immediately that Dana is just, like, everything of the sort, and she's like, oh, another one? <laughs> like, I'm not going to prop yeah. you up. Like, I know you'll get there on your own, and I'm not going to be stepped on on the way. So even though I love Dana and I'm not for anyone, like, not being nice to the new girls, I, like, kind of understood Sheena's, like, twisted thinking. Yes, I agree with that. In the words of Lisa Vanderpump, I certainly don't condone it, or I don't condone it, but I understand it. Okay. What did she say that about? Um, She said that about, uh, oh, that's so funny. I was, it's from an old episode I was watching. It was when um, Tom and Jack started fighting at Sheena's engagement party. Because oh, Jack's really Kristen. old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 don't, I watched it right before the reunion, so it was, like, fresh in my brain. That's crazy. I, Sheena's engagement party, like... And Sheena's, like, crazy. in the corner sobbing after singing Good as Gold. It was honestly iconic. Like, those were the days. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and, like, I feel like because we had those days, everyone thinks that, like, we need to... And also, this, is, uh, this and then another point I just have quickly. Because we had, all like, all of that history, people think that, like, we need to continue on this journey. But, like, no, at a certain point, you graduate, and you can graduate from Vanderpump Rules and go on to, you know, do other things. Also, I feel like something that made Vanderpump Rules great, but ultimately is kind of like the demise of what we're watching now is like all of the existing history between all of the castmates that like they had these long friendships. And so even when they would fight over petty shit, they would always, you know, like they are sisters, like Kristen and Saucy and hooking up with Jackson. Like you couldn't understand it, but they have this like deep friendship. I no Mm -hmm. longer feel that that is important in order to have a successful reality show. Cause like sometimes those long friendships develop on a show because these are people who are going to be in your life every day. But like you, it's just different. Like watching Potomac, like some of the new people, they're meeting each other for the first time and like they're having like cast member altercations. And like that's interesting too. So I feel like they were harping so hard on like these historic friendships until they're driving them into the ground and then wondering why we're not friends anymore. Yeah. Um, the other interesting th- thing that happened was, um, Sheena and Max admitting that when they had went to Palm Springs, like she, they had made out and like, she tried to give him a blowjob. And again, I'm a Sheena apologist, but I could not apologize for this. Like her, that was when Max and Dana were like working things out. Yeah. Like just because you're comfortable with someone else's boyfriend, like doesn't mean that that is okay behavior. That was just and like, her- so, and the fact that like, she can't just be like in that moment, like, yeah, I still had feelings for Max. I had him in my bed and I, 
wanted it. I was, yeah, I was just like having a good time. Instead, she's like, it's just like like yeah no the way that she responded and like wasn't even apologetic to dana like that really bothered me like no, that's just, she, like, not taking accountability at all that's the definition of not when people say own your shit like that is a perfect example instead of saying making excuses like oh my god it's just comfortable with, like best friends you say no listen truly in my heart like i still have feelings for max he was away from me for the weekend i didn't like you i know you guys are seeing each other but i wanted to hook up with him so i did yeah, I was, like, disappointed in her, like, cavalier response. Like, that's the shit that people hate. When she pretends like she's, oh, we just fell into each other's penis and vaginas. Totally. I tripped. <laughs> um, the segment where everyone was talking about James's sobriety and, like, everyone was getting really emotional, like, even Jax. I Danica? thought that was, like, Danica, yeah. Like, I thought that was fabulous. Me too. And I felt as though my opinions throughout the season were validated as well, especially as it related to Raquel. Um, Cause I feel like we, she's been on the show on and off for like three years now. No one ever paid her much Talk attention, twice. but this season, like something about her was just really endearing. And it was nice to hear that even like Stassi felt that way too. Um, and Stassi was like, I never took the time to get to know you, but you're actually really likable. Um, and that was the experience that I was having while watching the show. It was like, oh, Raquel's been around this whole time. And I, I, there's, there's something to her that I like. So yeah. it was, it was a nice story arc and like to see everyone be so proud of him, except for Kristen. Uh, I yeah. like this but journey. You know what? At the end of the day, like if Katie Maloney can forgive James Kennedy, like anything is possible. It's deeper for Kristen. She used to date him. It's oh, yeah, no, I'm not talking about Kristen. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of the world, like if you're mad at your friend, like just remember, Katie Maloney forgave James Kennedy. But I just feel like she, she's moved on, but she hasn't. Like it's, I feel like it's still top of mind. I feel like I have people like that in my life where it's like, yeah, we're cool, whatever. But every time I see you, I will think of that thing that you said and that's yeah. that. I loved that everyone was giving like Raquel the utmost respect. Like finally, I feel like she felt so vindicated after the reunion but what bothered me is like they they mentioned the whole lala raquel fight pitbull i'm a rottweiler and like how awful lala was like literally like that was the the most disappointed i'd ever been in lala like she was just such a mean girl she didn't say sorry last night like she just acknowledged that she's like yeah like sometimes when i'm getting angry like i just say things like i can't like she didn't say sorry well, I had seen an Instagram post after that episode aired and it was a picture of her and Raquel saying that she had apologized and that like she was so sorry. And so I think like we all, I mean, Instagram isn't the same as Irene and it should have been addressed, but maybe it was cut out. Like I, I think that she was sorry um, and maybe that was just like cut for brevity. But yeah, that was as a Lala apologist, I, even I couldn't yeah, condone that or understand it. And to see her like, be so hard on herself and recognize that in her. And what I thought she said that was so poignant when she was like, I thought that getting sober would like fix a lot of those things. I thought these things were happening because I was drinking. And now I'm realizing that it's something within me that I need to deal with. I, I thought that was really brave of her to say. Yeah. Um, and she was really, really sorry for that awful thing she said about Sheena on a Bravo after show that like I had never heard. And I'm glad that they clipped it because it was vicious. It was vicious. Um, 30, 34 year old no, in a crop top and a JoJo Siwa ponytail. Like that slutty is ponytail. That and is we, like, yeah, it was vicious. She felt really bad. Um, and you know, this was something that I saw in Potomac and I feel like it's the same thing that happened here because on Potomac, the season two storyline, Giselle had gone on Watch What Happens Live and said the thing that Sharice was dating a fireman. Do you remember? And it was a huge fight and like, no one can understand how she, or why she did that. I feel like sometimes when like your show is just filming your regular life, but then you go to New York City and you're on Watch What Happens Live and you're on this set and like your job is just like be a celebrity and like talk shit. I think that sometimes they get carried away. I think that's what happened with Giselle. She was just like feeling fabulous and like, oh, people want her to spill the tea. Here I go. And I think that same thing happened with Lala. It's like, oh my gosh, people love me because I'm so like honest and and can be harsh, but people like that sometimes. I think she just got carried away and, like, didn't know where the line was and that she had crossed it. Maybe. But it was also at that moment when she started getting emotional about Sheena where Stassi definitely did not realize that they were recording her and she whispered to Bo, Lala might be bipolar. Yeah, that was weird. Um, yeah. And, like, unnecessary? I, I don't know. It was, like, mean because they're friends. It was obvious that she didn't know that they were going to include that. And it was just an all-around strange moment. Yeah. Very strange. Um, that's like, yeah, that's not appropriate. 
the um the last two things I want to say are one I can't believe there's a part three I thought it was over last night I can't, I was shocked I can't believe there's and a part three the second thing is the absolute best part of the reunion was that it was seven o'clock in New York and you could hear the clanging of the pots everyone clapping at seven o'clock for the healthcare workers and then all the cast members started to clap and I just thought that was like so cute and I love I loved it. Yeah, I weirdly am very into the Zoom reunion because you can hear what everyone is saying. It's le- it's way more structured and I just like I think they they've done a really good job with it and also like they can mute people. It's like they could take you know when you're like doing a podcast and you have two different audios and someone's talking over someone else you could just take one person out and you can hear the other person clearly. Like they're able to do that and I think that we're getting like a lot of better conversations. I just want to say like towards the end when it, and they showed for next week where it gets between Brittany and Jax and Tom and Ariana, like I can't, I no longer can. I am unable, like I am not interested. It is the, the, the lowest hanging fruit of conversation. And that's where it's like, I don't care that you've been friends forever. You two are toxic as friends. Please stop being friends. Please. Like I don't, I never want to have this fight again on my television. And so I don't know who needs to leave the show. And I honestly, I don't know how there's really a role for Brittany and Jax um, in like a next season, especially now that Saucy, Bo, Kristen are going to be gone. If it's really focused on Tom and Tom, like where did Brittany and Jax fit in? They don't um, have a restaurant. Right. So I just like, I can't. Yeah. It's, um, I'm not looking forward to that conversation either. I just couldn't believe there was a part three. I'm like, this is enough. Like, how long are we going to beat this dead horse? Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about Vanderpump Rules before we move on? No, I think, I think that's it. I want to quickly talk about the Epstein documentary, and I will not spoil anything for you. So just keep your mics on. Because we watched, um, I watched all four. You watched how many? I watched two. I'm in the middle of three. What I liked, I'll start with what I liked. What I liked was that they really harped on like how nobody knew what he did. Nobody in the industry, nobody in business. And then in the public, we're like, who is this international man of mystery? Like, how the fuck does he make money? Right. Um, and I appreciated the inside look at like all his different homes. But I was like kind of disappointed that it was only four parts when I feel like they really didn't get into the celebrity element. Like, you know, people on Twitter have like found like all the flight logs of like all different types of celebrities who were there. And I felt like we could have done more on that. It's like we got fucking eight parts for exotic Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, but like four parts for Jeffrey Epstein. Honestly, I was just felt I was left wanting more. Yeah. I, I, didn't, what, I haven't gotten there yet, but that would bother me. What it also taught me and what I learned, um, I forget which documentary, I think it was uh, the Gabriel Fernandez one. It's like the FBI sucks. Like when, when somebody gets FBI involved, it's like, all right, let's just quit now because they never get anything done. This is the theme of everything that I've watched in quarantine. The FBI sucks. And I know sucks. you're watching. Hi. Looking at my camera. They just, they're constantly getting it wrong. Waco. Did you yeah, watch Waco? You know, no. Those two original girls who were in the first episode who reported it in the 90s. Like, shame on the fucking FBI. Like, look how long it went on. They reported in the 90s and then the early 2000s in Palm Beach, FBI did nothing. It went on until 2019. But it's not like it wasn't reported. Like, everyone just fucking ignored it. Like, and and. It's so deep-rooted, and I feel like they just didn't even get into how deep-rooted Jeffrey Epstein's, like, friends and business partners were. Like, I, like, that's what I was missing. Like, I don't feel like they exposed enough people. Yeah. I, like, I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm sure I'll feel the same way. You know, he's just, like, the tip of the iceberg, and they didn't, they didn't melt it yeah, down. and they, like, didn't even investigate, like, the death at all. They were just like, and then he died, the end. Like, it was just... I needed more. Yeah, I feel that. Okay, well, that's it. Um, Let's hear Dear Toasters because my AirPods just made a sound. Oh, but also really quickly, the Watch Trappings Live special from last night. Um, I just absolutely loved it. I, I wanted to um, just quote one thing that W. Kamau Bell said, which really um, resonated with me and I feel like might resonate for people in, who are listening. Because um, Andy was like, what do you say to white people who like maybe are afraid to get involved in the conversation for fear of saying something wrong um, or, you know, are afraid to just like talk about it because it's uncomfortable. And W. Kamau Bell was like, 
you should be like, you're probably going to say something wrong. You're not going to get everything right, but say sorry when you say something wrong and then move on. Don't be afraid to speak up because of it. Just understand why what you said was problematic and move on. And I just thought it was like a great like human way of talking about this issue. And I loved it. And W. Kamau Bell was like living for Portia. Like Portia was just like, Andy would ask her a question and she went on. Like she just didn't stop. And W. Kamau was like literally in his little Zoom box. Like, yes, yes. Like it was just, she's just, everything. And I said it before, but like, she's just making her grandfather proud and she's still like funny and entertaining and glamorous while also being so smart. Like, I just think like she has really cemented herself like in the housewives hall of fame for me. And in like the human being hall of fame. Yes. Those were my two notes. Great. Love it. Dear Toasters is our advice segment. If you ever want to write in, please email us, deartoasters at gmail.com. We always keep it anonymous, so you don't have to worry about that, and we will talk about anything from boyfriend troubles, work troubles, quarantine troubles, anything. Deartoasters at gmail.com. Let's jump right in. Hi, ladies. So my boyfriend of seven years went out with a friend one night. He was messaging me when he left his house and said he was going to hang out with his friend. I assumed he was going to his friend's house since I told him to stay there for the night as drinking is involved. After a few messages, I never heard back. I texted him asking if he made it to the friend's house. Okay, nothing. Me being the anxious pers- person that I am, I began to watch his local his watch his location and saw he was at a local strip club in the area. Now a little backstory. We've had a conversation before about how I feel about him going to strip clubs. I told him I wasn't sure how I would feel if he ever went. Also, there have been trust issues in the past. Anyways, he stayed at the club for 30 minutes after, after the strip club closed and then he went home. I called him the next morning and he was asking and was asking him about his night and after questions I'm sorry, I can't talk. Anyways, he stayed at the club 30 minutes after the strip club closed, and then he went home. I called him the next morning and was asking him about his night, and after question dodging, he confessed that he did go to the strip club. He said that his friend and him stayed until it closed and then went back to his friend's house and then went home. After speaking with his friend's girlfriend, I found out that this friend actually left the club after arriving because his girlfriend cussed him out. So my boyfriend was alone at the strip club for hours and stayed after it closed and then lied about his friend being there with him and lied about going to his friend's house afterwards. He just went home because I have his location. My question for y'all, how do you feel about strip clubs and relationships? Also, am I overreacting about the situation? He said the reason he lied to me because is because he can't do anything right in this relationship. I love you and thanks for the podcast during these hard times. That was a very roundabout way a piece of work he is yeah it shouldn't Um, be that hard to like find out where your boyfriend is you know no and you know what like if you can't trust your partner like you don't have a a good relationship um the fact that he would lie straight to your face and by the way the way I feel about strip clubs like if Zach wanted to go to a strip club with his friends or he was going like he would tell me and I would feel great about it like what an entertaining would yeah Oh my God. No, I'm too insecure. Like I love strip clubs. Like 11 in Miami is my favorite place. And like Ben knows like I'm allowed to go, but like he is like must sit in the corner. No, but like if Ben were on a bachelor party and like the group were going to a strip club, you're going to tell your husband that he can't go. (laughs) Yes, I am. I just don't want him knowing that there are like breasts out there that are different than mine. You know what I mean? But like he knows that already. No, he doesn't. He doesn't know. He knows. No, I'm sorry. Like, it's just a big, but you know what? Like I, not to be like so braggy and annoying, but like Ben is like so sweet. Like he would literally never go. And if he did, like he would literally send me, like he would send me a video of himself in the corner, like, cause he's like a weenie. Um, so I don't have this problem, but I'm sympathizing for the girl that does. And to be honest, the problem isn't that he went to a strip club. It's really that he lied about it. Yeah. Like if your man is going to strip clubs and lying, like you have a problem. If he's going to strip clubs with his friend, he's telling you and saying, babe, like the boys are going to a strip club. Like, do you mind if I go? And you like say, yes, that that's healthy. Like strip clubs are always going to be there and men are going to want to go, but it's just the way he went about it, that he lied to you, that he makes you feel crazy, that he said he can't do anything right in this relationship, like playing the victim. Like, I'm sorry, but I hate your boyfriend. Yeah. hate your boyfriend. But for girls who maybe, I actually totally rethought my, my stance on strip clubs for girls who may not want their husbands or boyfriends going to strip clubs. I think a fabulous thing is to offer to go together. Because yes. I've actually, now that I think about it, I don't know if I've ever been in a strip club without Ben. And I've been at a lot of strip clubs um, all over this country, New Orleans, Florida, New York, um, tons of places. So no, but I like, think that a great, to, it's a great bonding experience. I agree. But like when we were on, we were in Miami, we went to 11 Just Girls. Like mm-hmm. if Ben were in a, on a bachelor party in Miami and they were going to 11, what would you have to say so about that? So 11, I think, is a different conversation. Because that's where 11, Zach went. That's what I'm referring to when, like, Zach went on so, a bachelor party and he was like, we're going to 11. I was like, have a great time. 
I wouldn't include that because 11 is like the best club in Miami that also happens to like have strippers, but it's not like a place devoted to stripping. Um, I guess so I think devoted. that we can't talk. I don't think we can use that example. I don't. Okay. If they were go, okay. Say they were in a bachelor party in Scottsdale and they were going to the strip club, but like, that's what you do on a bachelor party. No, I know. I just like, or say they were in Vegas and they're going, they're on the strip. They're going to the strip. You know, I don't know. I feel like you'll just have to ask me on the day. Like, depending on how I'm feeling, I would either be like, yes, Ben, get them titties, or literally, I'm going to strap you to this chair. And it's like, if you have plans to be going to the strip club, like, sometime soon, like, you better make the week before count. You know, you better keep me in a good mood so that I'm like, fabulous, go. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I don't think I can make blanket statements because my opinion is changing so much as I'm talking about it. And I'm sure it would just be like on the night. And it's like, if I have fabulous plans, like you can go do whatever you want. But if I'm sitting at home and you're at a fucking strip club, absolutely not. Yeah. I think it, it's all time and place. It's the way that you ask, but you, you definitely speak to your partner of seven years about it. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one. Dear Toasters, I've been quarantined with my fiance at his mom's house for the past month. And for the, pa- for the most part, everything's going great. She's a little older. She's in her late 60s and tends to be pretty conservative. Shockingly, she loves everything on Bravo. So we always bond over our love of the shows. During quarantine, we've been watching Beverly Hills and New York together. And there's been a lot of talk about blowjobs, threesomes, sex, etc. She's always appalled by the conversations and asking my opinion. It gets extremely uncomfortable because it feels like she's directing the questions to be about me and my fiance's sex life. Very awkward. So awkward that it makes me not want to watch any shows with her anymore i don't want to come off as an asshole who doesn't want to hang out with her since this is the one thing we really bond over she's also going through a pretty tough time so i'm trying extra extra hard to be a good daughter-in-law do i keep watching with her and ride out these uncomfortable conversations or do i act like a bitch and stop watching with her sincerely a girl who doesn't want to talk about about bj's with her mother-in-law okay um definitely keep watching with her like it's a great bonding activity like yes this is unfortunate but i don't understand like the, what is she trying to get out of these conversations? Is she like asking, do you give the DJs and do threesomes? I think the vibe is like she's trying to sniff out if like this girl is like the housewives. But you know what? A little white lie never went anywhere. Just like pretend like you think BJ's are gross and then walk back to your room and give your man a blowjob. No, but like then is she going to be thinking, wow, she doesn't even give my son a blowjob. Like, but she, she said she's very conservative. Okay, so honestly, just say whatever you think she wants to hear. It's yeah. make the conversation go as as quickly and swiftly as possible. I feel like that is the complete right thing to do. Like you're living in this woman's house. You don't need awkward moments. And you don't want to disrespect her. So just lie. Like sometimes lying is the best. Yeah. Say whatever you need to say. Um, All right. Final one. Dear Claudia and Jackie. HYD. Love you both so much. Thanks for keeping a smile on my face during these trying times. I'm writing because I need some advice on whether or not something is a deal breaker. My boyfriend and I have been together for about five years. After college, I moved away from my family to be closer to him. We've been quarantining together and it's been great. I finally want to head back to my hometown to spend some quality time with my family that I may never get again because of quarantine. And he and I had planned to head back there for the 4th of July. He spent previous 4th of Julys with my family, even Christmas, but I've noticed a bit of a pattern. He'll commit to coming home with me, then a day before he'll complain nonstop about having to travel, missing out on time with friends and family, leaving me feeling really guilty and making it seem like I'm making him spend time with my family rather than him just wanting to. I'm extremely close with my family. And he is not at all with his. So his excuse is that he just doesn't understand the dynamic and why I want to go home as often as I do. But mind you, I really only want to see my family three or four times a year. He swears he likes my family and that they've been nothing but nice to him. But then he'll outright say, I would rather go away with friends than hang with your brothers and sisters. Oh my, that's so mean. Um, I feel like every time I bring up going to see my family, he commits to it, but then finds an excuse to back out. It's exhausting. And I feel like I shouldn't have to convince him to do something that brings me happiness. He now... He knows how much my family means to me to the point where discussing with him makes me cry. Yet he doesn't budge. Is this a red flag? Much love, a tire toaster. I mean, this is my worst nightmare. Like this, yeah, this is like hurting my head and my heart. Um, but here's the thing. I'm gonna put myself in your situation. Thankfully, like obviously we love our family. We're always like together and being annoying and going on trips. And thankfully, the boys have like the that like brotherly relationship where like they all take care of each other. And so it's not that dynamic but like say we were always going places and like Zach didn't want to come he doesn't want to be with Mm -hmm. my family like blah 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 but I love being with my family and I want to be there I'm going so like yeah if that works for you to go by yourself but some people like want their partner to be with them all of the time um so if that doesn't work for you then that's a deal breaker for you it but like I think 
that sometimes you should just do the things that you want to do. And like if your partner should do what they want to do. And if it's not the same thing, like if it's a few days apart, like I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. I, this really just depends on the type of person. Like for me, this is 100% a deal breaker. Like my family is everything. They are my only friends. Like they're the only people I ever hang out with. The only people I ever go on trips with. Like to me, this is a deal breaker. So it just, it, it depends on who the person is and what their priorities are, but to have to force someone to like be, and it's just, honestly, it sounds like you guys are so different. Like you're so close with your family, like you value family. And you said that like, he just is not, he'd rather hang out with his friends and his family and like family is not a priority for him. So to me, like the difference in priorities might be a deal breaker. Um, I don't know. I don't want to tell you to break up with him because you've been together for five years, but it seems like he doesn't really appreciate the fact that like you moved across the country, like for him. Yeah, I agree. If it were us and like we spend all of our time, that would mean that I'm spending no time with my partner if he doesn't want to spend time with me when I'm right. with my family. But like some families, like they just go on like a few, vac- like a like a Thanksgiving and then there's a trip and like that's that's easy to work with. So I think I don't you know need that to it's figure out what your priorities breaker. are. Yeah. And like what your year long schedule looks like, you know, how many times are you going to be like doing something with your family and, and is it going to be a fight with him? Like sometimes it's just not worth the fight. Yeah. And then also like, what do you want your future to look like? Do you want like your, your kids to be really close with your family? Because it's like, it's, it's all fun and games now, but like when you have kids and then your husband doesn't want to be with your family, like kids, like if they have family around, like it's great. Cousins. Yeah. Sounds like he's being a little stubborn. Yeah. Like everyone wants to hang out with their friends. Like this of year course, like, in the playground, like you're an adult. No, it's like, we're adults now. Like, come on. Yeah. We're adults now. We love our families. That was Dear Toasters. Please email us, deartoasters at gmail.com if you would like to submit. Chemin is here. Oh, a small programming update from TNN. Our TNN shows um, are all being released this week, but if you are looking for a new episode of The Snatchler today, for the next few weeks, there will be a brief hiatus from The Snatchler. You know, The Snatchler herself is just going through some stuff and she wants to take some time off to, you know, get her mental health in check, which is always important. And self-care is self-love. And if you are struggling with your mental health, like make sure to take care of it. So that's what the Snatchler's doing. Um, so unfortunately there won't be episodes for a little bit, but there are tons of new TNN shows, Margaret Joseph's, Lauren Elizabeth. Um, uh, Maternity Live is also not going to be available this week because she is busy pumping at pump. So listen to the toast, listen to the toast news network, follow the toast news network on Instagram. And I think that's all that she wrote. Did she text you and say anything? Yeah. She said that her AirPods are dying. And so she's done writing because she can't hear us anymore. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Morning Toast, the Millennial Morning Show, where we go live Monday through Friday, 1030 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give us a video a thumbs up. We're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, CastBox, all the places. So wherever you listen to podcasts, find us, the Morning Toast, and leave a five-star review of it. I'll be beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. We love you guys so much. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.